0: I'm Jason Concepcion, and this is Foundation, the official podcast from Apple TV Plus. Here again, joining me is David S. Goyer, showrunner and executive producer, and co-executive producer and writer Lee Dana Jackson. Today, we're talking about episode five, "Upon Awakening." By the way, folks, there are spoilers ahead. So, again, if you haven't watched the episode, what are you doing? Go back and watch it, and then come back here. Uh, quick recap for this episode: Gail wakes up after a, a very significant nap. Farrah and the Anacreans are taking uh, their fight to the next level. And we'll be talking about the roots and religion of a culture in this episode and how that shapes the decisions our characters make. Uh, Gail is back in our lives. Talk about what this is like for her waking up and realizing, oh my God, like how long have I been out?
1: Over thirty years. Yeah. Also just the fun of, you know, at the end of episode 2, she's sort of jettisoned yeah in this pod and the plan is complete disarray and I remember pitching it's so funny I said to Apple I don't want to bring her back until episode 5. I'm like oh no, you can't wait that long, the audience will be like but but I thought when she shows up at the very end of episode 4 I just I just wanted to keep the audience on its toes. Um, and this is a, where we arrived at this episode is we, we had done this short film with the sort of life cycle Mm -hmm. of, of dusk in episode three. And we were really happy with that. And we thought, well, let's start this episode with Gail's backstory. And the one thing that I remember saying about these short films or these flashbacks is that I don't want to do them unless they r- shed the character in a new light or reframe them yeah. in a different way. And, and I think that this five is one of my favorite episodes of the season.
2: I have studied your solution and I would like to offer you my support by validating your proof. It is ingenious, elegant, and true. Bravo, Miss Dornick.
0: You knew that it was tough for Gail as an outsider on her home world on Synax. But here you really see how truly threatening and dire things were and even you know what a she really tried to to stay within her culture. She yes. didn't she didn't yes. want to break yes with what she was doing when she was confronted with uh with Aaron Soren in the in the old university but she can't deny who she is this is a it's I, I really felt how vulnerable she was in this world
1: yeah she wanted to be a part of her society and and their religion and their culture is incredibly important on this world and they're they're off in the corner of the galaxy kind of cut off from Empire and um and sort of the the, the trick of this story is... How she left, how she how she got to that shuttle, and it wasn't as simple as yeah. solving you know, an, yeah, uh, yeah, the Abraxas conjecture it was she basically exiled herself and and you see that, you know she was sort of responsible for taking her stones out and 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 her entire world shunning her,
0: yeah, what is synaxian culture? How did it evolve in this way, and what does it mean for her to have her prayer stones taken out and then to make this drastic break with everything
1: she's known who when we did the the homework assignments, who did synex
2: I don't remember who did synex but but what I remember loving about where we arrived with her culture was that we were catching them in a moment mm-hmm. like and and you see it in the in the episode they have. Kale's book of folding. They have like universities. They, right. they have universities. Like right. they were something different, and then this purge came, and we caught them in that moment, and that's where where she happened to find herself. Yeah, and I just thought what, that specificity was really fun.
0: That's what really hooked me about it as well. It's not like this purge happened a hundred years ago. Aaron Sorn is still here, right? Uh, played by Wale Ojo, and yeah. he, and is still this uh, this representative from this time before that was not that long ago. How did this upheaval happen, and, and what does it tell us about that that belief system?
1: Well, I mean, one of the things that we talked about was I, I didn't want to portray the religion of synax as bad. Mm-hmm. It was hijacked by these extremists. It's funny because we talked a lot about, and it's just so ironic given what's happened recently in the news, but we talked a lot about Gail being like Malala. She had this really rich culture, this vibrant educational culture and intellectual culture. And then a certain group comes in and just hijacks it and everything flips overnight. And And she was obviously this incredibly, is this incredibly bright, luminous person who's sort of bucking the cultural trends. and And it's ironic that we're sort of seeing what's happening in the news right now because that was the... Impetus for for the purge and this story and and what was happening with Gail.
2: Well, and there's another an, another um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's an, there's another sort of allegory that or, that's not the right word. Um, <laughs> I don't know what word you're going to say. <laughs> there's another thing that's happening in real life that we were. Using as an antecedent mm. of oh, climate this, change, which is the climate change. Yeah. Yeah. The reason the purge comes is because the seas are rising. Like they, and he, mm. Aaron Soren says, like we overmined the vents and now the seas are the water's warming and things are dying. And so, you know,
1: it's crazy how how even more topical the show has become in yeah. sort of three and a half years since we were writing
2: right. it. Right. And we spent the last year watching extremism rise in response to a global science event yeah that's what happened to her planet and that extremism ended up winning
0: it seems like uh, on Synax when you're faced with a problem and you understand what caused it but that mode of thought whether it be scientific analytical research whatever can't then easily solve it people will move for the the next easiest thing which is this belief that some well, god wanted to well, yeah, exactly. the staff. Well,
1: exactly. The idea with their religion is that their god is called the sleeper. And the, the, the notion is that the universe that we exist in is the sleeper's dream. And that if, if the people of Synax are one day worthy enough, mm. the sleeper will awaken. And mankind will ascend into this sort of higher state. Um, And then the other thing that um, we talked a lot, a, a lot about in the room is that Gail, right, when she's jettisoned out of that cryopod in two, goes into cryogenic sleep and becomes the sleeper. Right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. like, literally and figuratively. Yeah. And so the notion that we're playing around with is that Basically, what if she becomes her own god?
0: This felt like a superhero origin story in a lot yeah, of ways. For it. sure. We, we understood that Gale was brilliant. But we didn't we didn't really understand what it meant for her to be able to get off Synax and to mm-hmm. get out of there.
1: Well, it was an escape.
0: Yeah, there was numerous. Not only did she have to escape, that was, you know, chapter 10 of a story yeah. that begun with her diving down to... Steal but back she, the she, book
1: of Folens. She, she also takes part in the execution of well, one I of mean, her mentors, and and we wanted it to be hard. And and even though she was in an impossible situation, Gail feels guilty about it. Sure. Like it, it. it sure. She she bears some culpability. Sure. And um, giving credit where credit is due, one of our writers, Marcus Gardley, um, he was the one that pitched that. Aaron be killed by his own books, that he, yeah. be, he be weighted down, literally killed by knowledge, right. uh, which is just a, such is a horrific... Diabolical.
2: Yeah. I remember when when we were after that, the, the idea that they would bury them, that they would drown them with their books. And I remember writing a line the line of, like, you know, when she goes down swimming there and there's, like... A, a garden. Kel- a garden of yeah. kelp, like, of mm. bodies, and, and just, like, these people... Floating, anchored down by the books, and just feeling like, oh, that's that's like the like the death of knowledge and yeah. the death of the people yeah. simultaneously. Feeling it's heavy. heavy. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was heavy.
0: There's a line that um, Gail speaks earlier in the season, and you see where she where she got it from here. Um, when a planet wants you, you dead, dead, you, you die. die.
1: Um, yeah, it's like the origin of that line. She says it, she says it in the first episode, yeah. and then you realize that that's something that Aaron Sorn said.
0: Another part of this like superhero emergence is Gale's sparring with the AI and then her ability on the fly to figure out, I know how I'm going to get past I know how I'm going
1: to figure out where I am. So that was the hardest, hardest thing to write. Can you show me all celestial sphere locations of all quasars in direct line of sight?
2: Highlight the cloverleaf quasar. Simple optical navigation. Okay. Do we have direct line of sight to
0: Swenion 214, Austus 11, Hudson 8053?
1: Affirmative. Show them. I had a math block when I was growing up, so I, I did really well in school, and then I hit math, and I would get, with a tutor, a D. I mean, I just had, I, math is not my jam. And I was um, saying, I really want, to have her outsmart this AI and kind of save herself through math. And its it was easy to say, but then we were like, how in the world are we going to figure this out? And so it's like optical navigation. And then we brought in a, a variety of mathematicians and physicists mm-hmm. and, oh my God, was that hard. And so then we wrote it and then... It came time, Alex Graves also directed this episode, that we had to visualize it. And we had these meetings in Ireland. We were like, what the hell is going to be on these holograms? What is this going to look like? And it was just, it was so hard. And I was just kept kicking myself going, what have I done? You know?
2: Even bef- like, even in the writing of it, because you you set these limitations on... What we, what the story could be, yeah, that basically we were like, okay, you can't do any of the things that make it easy. You yeah. like, no, the AI can't help because, uh,
1: yeah, I want to be right. as hard like, as for hard her as, as possible. humanly possible.
2: So we were like, okay, well, if the AI, why can't the AI help? Oh, because she doesn't have access. Okay, great. So now the AI can only answer yes or no questions. Okay, well, what can she ask? I don't know. Like, yeah. we, the room was just, like, pitching on this. And like you said, we had these mathematicians come in and say, well, here's how you would triangulate. But since they're in different depths, she'd have to understand how far away that star was. And, like...
1: Well, also, the other thing is, God bless them, but a lot of stakeholders in the show kept saying can't we just cut that all down? It's (laughs) going to be boring. It's it's not going to be interesting. And they were also saying, we don't understand what she's saying. And I I said, you don't need to understand. It's like watching a medical show, right? Right. You want the doctors, ER, yeah. ER, yeah. You want the doctors to just talk about stuff and you get the general drift of that they know what they're doing and and you don't need to understand it. She's figuring her way out of this box. That's all you need to know. But I want it, to sound real, I want the math, the heat signatures, the different stars, and whatnot, and to triangle. I wanted it to sort of make sense and be real, and be this sort of bravura performance that's also quite beautiful. Right, and we got there, but whoo,
2: was that hard? It was like a one one woman play in a, yes. In a certain yes, was like I, her alone. Dana, I, this was this is your episode. How right. did, how did you approach it? Um, uh, there were two things that I thought were I mean Gail is probably Well it
1: was f- and wasn't wasn't because you ended up writing like half of about, four and half of five right. and, Yeah. and this it is because like this,
2: this is also when I got sick. I know so I like That's had to right. leave That's and then right. I came back. So, That's anyway, right. Sidebar, sorry. Um <laughs> so I it was Gail was my favorite character, like by far. Mm. So I was super excited to write. So I wrote a lot of the Gale, um in space stuff but i didn't write a lot of the synax stuff cuz again like i had written some some other stuff that was in this episode that ended up going into four and so all of those things those movies it was a mishmash it was yeah. a very big mishmash um but the gale in space stuff was really hard to write because it was this one woman play there yeah. were no other characters she couldn't talk to the ai like and you never want to have a character alone speechifying to herself yeah what if i just do this um So she was having the conversation about the math with the AI, but knowing that the AI could only respond to certain parts of it, which was just, from a writing standpoint, it was just really, it was a real challenge. It was super, trust
1: me, it was hard to write, it was hard Hard to shoot, shoot. (laughs) it was hard to, it was really hard. It's, It's a beautiful episode,
2: though. The only thing, literally the only thing that I could hang my hook on was like, You know, I buried all those like Easter eggs that I buried into it. Yeah, tell tell us about the Easter eggs. Yeah, please. We under we had one of the mathematicians uh, or one of the the JPL guys kind of explain the parts of the galaxy and
0: Jet Propulsion Lab over in Pasadena.
2: Right. So he he was like, she can find stars, she can find planets, she can find quasars, she can find like she can find the stream of a galaxy. Blah blah blah. (laughs) To triangulate. To triangulate. And I was like, I don't know what any of that means, but I'm gonna name every one of them after my family. So, like, the first star she finds is, like, my wife's name and her birthday. And then the next star that she finds is, like, my nephew's name and his age when the show is airs, which was three years earlier when we wrote it. Um, and then, like, the stream, the galactic stream that she's on is my daughter's middle name. I was just, like, throwing in these little things so that I had something to be excited about. But I was about. also
1: really protective of, even when we were doing the, um, like, the visuals. I was like, I'm gonna honor what, like, you what Dana, Dana has <laughs> has put in there. You know, I'm gonna honor those Easter eggs.
2: And you, t- I remember you texted me from production, and you were like, do you need to tell them how to, do you need to tell her how, how to, to say it aloud? Yeah. But I'd written them phonetically yeah. rather than yeah. the way they're spelled. Um, and so... You know, I, I watched, I screened it with my wife and daughter. And Really? Yeah, oh, I, I did. And, and Was
1: that the first time they'd seen it? Was it was the first
2: time they'd seen that episode. And Sarah remembered, my wife remembered that that was in there, but my daughter had forgotten. And so when she says, and she's down the Yuling stream yeah. of the, my," she like stood up and she was like, oh my gosh. And I mean, I've, I've, I've name checked her in like half a dozen shows just <laughs> for the heck of it. Cause, cause you can. Um, but like it's on screen, you see the name of the planet and she just, and also this show looks that's awesome. different from everything. That's so awesome. it was pretty cool, it was fun.
0: Dana, David, do y'all have a different appreciation for math after working on this show?
1: I definitely do. And I feel like I, I missed the boat, when, you know, as a kid. Yeah. And I, because math is amazing. You can do so many things with it. And the, the other thing that's so cool about math is that it's, it's, it's not subjective you know it, it is what it is I don't know why I had a math block growing up but I um I wish I could go back in time and sort of convince myself how amazing it is
2: I love math I just don't understand it my brother <laughs> is a math person he's like a Wall Street guy my daughter's great at math and I think some of it's generational because she's great at math but she grew up in the like they can use their calculators for things. Yeah. So she's like, she can. There are lots of like, they. they all, she I don't know if your daughter
1: learned this, but my kids learned Singapore math, which is a totally yep. different way of system of teaching math that I don't understand at all. And I'm already, I can't help my 11 year old with this homework. Same. Yeah. Because she, I just don't understand it.
2: Same thing. So they, I, I love the absolute nature of math. Mm. I love this, the factual nature of math, but I just, I can't do it.
0: I'm right there with you. <laughs> how did you do just the gravity shift? Gail hits her lowest point. She uh, it seems like she's about to uh, end her life. Um, and then the gravity shift happens with this visually stunning. Yeah. Where it's like a, f- she does a flip. It's kind of in slow motion and it just looks incredible. So
1: we talked a lot about how we were, going to do that so we knew that we were going to have to have wire work for this zero g moment and then she's got some more zero g later on in the episode and we played around with um you know different kind of harnesses and flips and things like that i I mean they 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 practiced for like a week with lou a kind of move that would allow her to do that and then i alluded to this phantom camera which is this um, camera that allows you to film at high speed which means very slow motion and um, yeah we, were, we built this watertight set and because and, she's meant to be in a shower and ho- we would like hose her down right before the take and then she would jump and you would have there's about six stunt people off screen with different wires sort of oh, wow. pulling her and flipping her around and then I would say about 80 to 70% of the water drips are on camera and then we digitally added like a mm. few more it's really beautiful
2: um, it's cool. It looked amazing.
0: yeah uh, the thing I love about it, and it says so much about who she is, is that she's in this extremely dark place, but the gravity shift fires her curiosity. What was that? Yeah, I need to figure out what that
1: was, yeah. and then
0: it's like that just passes, and then well, she it, is it, in the and she's in problem solving.
1: Yeah, it saves her life, but it also she she's just got this keen mind, so she likes working problems, yeah. And so what the gravity shift meant was that the ship she's on, it's flipping over and then firing its engines in the opposite direction, which means it's slowing down, which means it's probably approaching a destination. And then to make matters even worse, she discovers, obviously, that she is approaching a destination, but what she thinks is a window isn't a window and is like a, a view screen from like camera views and, and that that whatever's out there is not something that can be seen through the naked eye which is what happens in space a lot there's a lot of a lot of those beautiful pictures that you see from the Hubble telescope have been altered um because that stuff isn't visible you know on on a, on the wavelength that the human eye perceives now I'm sounding like a supernova <laughs>
2: <laughs> No but we got and we got some of that because the the shift we had a we had a conversation about the gravity shift because the ships normally course correct with those little bursts. Mm-hmm. And Retro, knew, yeah, those, yeah. Those ret- yeah. And and we knew that for in general she wouldn't feel that. The the right. inertia of the ship would, would prevent her from feeling that. So we, it needed to be a dramatic a enough shift. move yeah. that she would actually feel it inside the ship. And I remember we, we went down a pretty deep well with again the Jet Propulsion Lab guy explaining like how big it has to be in order for that to be the case. And yeah. Um,
1: it's it's funny, I love having technical consultants, but you also open up this rabbit hole of and he's on um you know, the future scripts and and it's like well this is what would really happen. This is what would be really happen right. right And until you get to a point where are like, Yeah, but that's just not cool. And then you're like, dude, we're gonna take a little creative license.
0: Right. Uh let's go to terminus before we come back to uh Gail and her, her shocking encounter at the end of this episode. Um Farrah's plan is unveiled, and it is... She truly is the huntress because it she is... She lures her prey. It, she yeah. lures her prey into the kill box yeah. with a bunch of beautifully executed feints, yeah. hits the kill switch, and the Empire had no idea what was coming as it, the Foundation, similarly, yeah. was lured perfectly into position by her. Um Truly a fearsome and diabolical thinker and yeah. Huntress. Yeah.
1: And also, I, I got to give props to the CG team because the crash of Doran's ship. Oh, yeah. Uh, awesome. Doran being the um, kind of space marine that's sent out by Dusk in the previous gets episode. A great,
0: gets a great, we're going to go get them speech. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and, and just how cool, you know, all these sort of imperial marines are going to show up and kick ass and then... This massive ship is just taken out. And I just love the the way that that episode ends on Terminus because Terminus City, you know, Salver, the sort of place that she's the warden of, is just all going up in flames. And so it's like I wanted both Gale and Salver to be at their lowest in this episode midway through the season because Salver completely fails at protecting her people.
2: The fun of the, of telling that story was figuring out each chess move that yeah sh- that there was a Salver was making of, uh, yeah and that and that Salver could see the move but couldn't see the end game and the yeah. and the audience sees the move because Salver sees yeah. it so she's yeah. like no she wanted to get into that building why does she want to be there oh she wanted to be there so she could turn off the fence yeah we know the gun is there who are they cloaking it from right. like each one of those yeah. moves where she anticipates the next move was really
0: the move that uh, that nobody saw coming and that is such an underlining of the theme of and the motivations that Farah is is acting on is her eye for an eye yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> her eye for an eye moment how did where did that come from the 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 nano explosive I, I in the remember. eye i don't remember
1: i i really don't remember i i mean just just that she Well, A, we wanted her to be a badass. Do you remember?
2: Yeah. Well, we knew that half... We knew that Farrah was going to be burned from the radiation. Yeah. And we knew that she had to have some sort of, like, EMP device that she could turn you know, kill the power with. And and I'm pretty sure it was, like, one of those, like... I had an idea in the shower this morning. Yeah. Yeah. What (laughs) if the EMP is her eye? And going, like, no, that's super gross. We're definitely doing it. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) But then... Oh, what a problem we created for ourselves in production! Because it's like, okay, so if she if she gouges her own eye right, out, right, 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 then are we just doing a CGI cavity for like the next right. five episodes? At like, I don't even know how many hundreds of shots. And then, then we were like, okay, well, what if we? What if she then wears an, a patch like a, a, after that? And so they actually built like an Anacreon eye patch and it she just looked like this terrible pirate like from like i mean just looks so bad and then i showed apple the picture and i was like yeah we're not doing this (laughs) like this is horrible and so then we arrived at this idea of well what if she puts in this sort of uh, this black orb this like optical tracker and and so she's just it's it's not a cavity but it's like this sort of black orb But Kubra, who played the character, she had to it it was it wasn't a normal contact. It was like a contact that covered your entire eye and it was really uncomfortable. Mm. And she could only wear it for about an hour at a time. Wow. And so we would try to shoot her close ups with this thing in, and then she'd have to take it out. And so that anyway, long story short, we ended up buying hundreds of VFX shots. Anyway, (laughs) we had to like make it look like that sort of black thing. And we were just like, oh, my God, what have we done? What have we done?
0: Uh, One of the things I really appreciated was as Farah is lording over her victory with Salvor as her prisoner. They're watching the town get razed. And Salvor's like, does this make you feel better? Does it hurt any less, your brother? Your family? You know what? I thought I might feel empty, but I think it does hurt less.
1: Yeah, that was a fun line. Yeah,
0: it does. What was it like shooting that battle?
1: A pain. <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, and as big as it is, I still wanted it to be bigger. <laughs> the other thing that's interesting about that episode in particular is so when we went back into COVID, um, the rule was we couldn't have out more than 100 extras Mm. now all of these extras all the crew members we were we were testing everyone three times a week and what we call day player is like an extra somebody's not a permanent part of the crew they would all have to be tested before they walked on set that day and we would get the results that day so these poor people would have to like get tested at four in the morning we were such a big production that we actually had our own lab that traveled with us from country to country So they would come in, they would test, and inevitably, like some of them would test positive and they couldn't shoot. And so we might have 100 and then we'd end up with like 70 extras. And originally, pre-COVID, a lot of those scenes, we were going to shoot with three or 400 extras. And so there's um, a bunch of shots in this episode and then in the prior episode, but particularly in this episode, where we did digital crowd replication. And so when the Anacreans oh. are storming the town, a lot of those shots, we only had like 10 of them. Mm. And everyone else is like a digital extra, but it it it, it turned out quite well. You would never know.
0: I've been thinking a lot about the altruism of different people, you know, different characters here are thinking so much about their legacy. And it's really with Salvor and Abbas for the first time that we see people who are selfless in a way that we understand that term to me. Yeah. You know, like, no, they ha- really are. Harry is selfless, but also, you know, Not, it's about... He it, it's felt, a significant,
1: he's, also, he's also an egomaniac. Yeah, there's a
0: significant amount of hubris there. But Salvor is really... She is about protecting and supporting her community in a way that is um, is so different from the way a lot of other characters in this story are approaching things.
1: Yeah. She's one of the few characters, and Abbas is another one, that is selfless and she's uniquely in a show that it's about legacy is not concerned about her legacy at all.
2: We talked a lot about I don't know if you remember this. We talked a lot about like what does Salver believe because yeah. her mom is a part of the foundation, she's not and her dad's not. Yeah. And so what did she get from each of them? And that sort of boots on the ground like I'm here to mm. take care of, like that comes came down from her father. But oddly, she also believes very strongly in the mission of the Foundation because she's committed to protecting it. I remember we had a lot of kind of philosophical conversations about, like, where does she fall on that spectrum?
1: And also, the the other thing that is starting to happen in Episode 4 and Episode 5 is she's starting to have these, these visions yeah, which are screwing her up. And, you know, at this point, she's starting to wonder whether or not she's got this strange relationship with the Vault. She's of all the people that we've met in the show so far and certainly everyone on Terminus, she's the only person that the Null Field doesn't affect, which is odd and was a secret that that she and her parents had kept from the other people on Terminus because they thought um, they would look at her in a different mm. way. And obvi- obviously it's it's something we're going to explore later on in the season is, is how is that possible?
0: In the books, perhaps the most iconic line in the series is uttered by the book version of Salvor Hardin, violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. And here in a really fun reversal it's something that a boss has said in the past and then he tries to tell it to Salvor and she says, ah, that's an old man saying. How did that come about?
1: Um, We thought that it would be interesting. I mean, in the books Salvor as a character is sort of fully formed. Yeah. And we thought that this season would be Salver's origin story. And so it would be nice if that was a a motto that her father had said that she kind of dismisses because she's actually kind of impetuous and yeah. and a woman of action. But that maybe that's her arc over the course of the season is is learning that lesson.
0: Let's go back to Gail. Um, David, you mentioned previously that time is a Character in your mind in this show, um, Gail wakes up after thirty plus years uh, as a popsicle. Dan, as the one of the writers on this particular episode, how, how did you approach time? What was how did how did you wrap your mind around it?
2: Gail alone on that ship. I think as I was writing that stuff, I was just trying to sort of decompress that moment because it's happening. You know, in the scale of things that are happening in the episode, it's pretty small. So we were playing with time as we were writing things, like a moment for her that takes five pages versus a battle that's taking hours in one page.
1: We just also thought it was an interesting proposition that she comes to Trantor, she decides to back Harry, they get exiled, she signs on for this mission, five-year mission to go to Terminus, she's gonna be Harry's right-hand man. It all goes pear-shaped. She wakes up 30 years later, and they've already been on terminus for thirty yeah. years. The foundation's already up and going, and she missed it. it. It would take her another thirty or forty years in cryo to even wow. get to even get there
0: what is what is she even thinking about in these moments where she's just trying to figure out where she is in space?
1: We wanted to break her down we I mean I knew that this was going to be for her this grueling grueling season and um Look, I, I, hopefully, if you're doing a show right, you know, she's this bright light, and I just, I just wanted to really test her and yeah. really break her down. And what does she do then without her mentor?
2: Yeah. And she's so smart. She knows what that time frame means. Everyone she knew on the foundation, uh, on the ship, a lot of them are dead, right? Harry's dead. Raisha's dead. But also... Her parents are dead. Yeah, like her, back home. Back home. Yeah. like yeah. her family is dead. Anything that she knew. Well, about that's the, the other world, thing is
1: even if she tried to go home, it would take a hundred. It would years, take hundred years to get home. You know? It would take fifty or hundred years to get. So to she's the everything. That's what we wanted with this episode. Is everything is stripped from her? Everything, 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 everything except for her intelligence. Right. Yeah,
0: and then what she's able to pick up with that intelligence are some really ominous clues not only is the, the hard hologram ai of harry blinking in and out coming back into existence she realizes through the ai that the ship was programmed for Raish, what that suggests
1: about that there was the, a, a plan yes that she didn't know about right that harry and Raish, her lover didn't let her in on and so that's a big upheaval as well
0: Harry's return I I know you don't want to spoil anything but like what what will that mean for Gale in the coming episodes is she gonna get anything real out of this (laughs) (laughs) hollow AI is he gonna finally level with her
1: um maybe maybe (laughs) not I mean I mean you don't want to make it easy for these characters you know
0: Okay, another game of building the foundation. You've thought through every detail of the show, both of you, and we have a lot of quick questions. Dana, David, are you ready?
1: Ready, ready. Some
2: some some of some of something to build, You'll a be allowed to build your foundation. A foundation.
0: How long does it take for the comms buoy to communicate a message to the empire? Is it like the internet? Is it radio waves? Does the, the message have to travel? How long does it take?
2: No idea time get delayed it, there's definitely it's, a time it's delayed. time delayed and we know we know it's time delayed we know that uh the buoy is only open for a certain period of time on rotational the window there's a rotational window yeah um
1: we I, never worked out like what the lag time is between you know mm. i imagine it's
2: but it was more than, it was it was more than days
1: yeah yeah it's it, it's like it would take like a week yeah. for a message to get to and from
0: what kind of a proof is abraxas
1: I told you I failed math, right? I
0: mean, I'm just like...
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, maybe you shouldn't
0: have written a show that's so heavily based on math.
1: A hard proof? I really, really difficult proof. I don't know. Uh.
0: (laughs) If robots don't exist besides Demarzel, does AI... Smart robots don't exist. Smart robots. But does AI not embodied in humanoid-looking robots exist in some form in this world? No. Wow. Um, how how is Gail frozen in the pod? It, it, Rach mentions as she goes into it that she can breathe liquid. How does that work?
1: The magic of science. Uh, it's <laughs> a it's some kind of super oxygenated fluid that 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 she can breathe, but that also jellifies and and and, and freezes her.
0: Uh, and finally, what is in the vault? What's in the vault? <laughs> What's inside of that?
1: The Library of Babel. And that's a literary illusion. Wow.
0: Well, thanks for listening to Foundation, the official podcast. Be sure to follow on Apple Podcasts to get the next episode in your feed and watch Foundation on Apple TV Plus where available. This is an Apple TV Plus podcast produced by Pineapple Street Studios. Our executive producers at Pineapple are Max Linsky and Jenna Weiss-Berman and Barry Finkel. Our senior managing producer is Gabrielle Lewis. Our producers are Ahmad Ali Akbar and Jonathan Shiflett. Darby Maloney is our senior editor, and our composer is Carly Bond. And I'm Jason Concepcion. David, Dana, thanks for joining us. And thanks all of for you. having us. Thank thanks you. Thanks for listening.